Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, I haven't done a podcast in a long time and I'm really happy today we got to sit down and talk with uh, one of my friends, a student, uh, a jiu-jitsu student and uh, someone who uh, has helped me a lot and kind of been a mentor to me in uh, marketing for my jiu-jitsu schools. So uh, today I have John Swisher. Uh, how are you doing today, John? Um, we just, John and I just got done training. We just got off the mats a little bit ago. And uh, I thought first, just, just if you could introduce yourself a little bit and talk about um, first your company that you uh, co-founded and uh, that uh, you, your, your marketing company, Ronin. Could you talk a little bit about that and your role there? Yeah. So um, I founded a, an advertising agency in 2003. We called it the Ronin Advertising Group. Um, we started it in Miami. Uh, we worked a lot in the beginning with really high-end um, developers and um, hospitality uh, sector, uh, f- people like Ritz-Carlton, Four Seasons, um, big, big, um, big high-end luxury uh, brands. Um, and then from there, we expanded out to San Francisco and then up into Boston. And now we have an office in um, Pittsburgh also. And um, we do a lot of uh, really interesting things now. We we started as a tr- pretty traditional ad agency, and now we're we're really into um, uh, digital uh, app building in the in the fitness world of all things. And actually, it uh, I always tell this people say, "How do you get started in these fitness apps?" And I was like, "Well, I have this friend who has this jujitsu school, and when we were in the pandemic, we were trying to figure out how to keep people engaged, so we created this little app." Um, which we called Stout On Demand. And uh, from there, we took that and gave it uh, to the Y, who was actually in Boston at the time, really uh, struggling. And they exploded with it, really took it and ran with it. And from there, we've expanded it now uh, and hopefully going to launch it actually on a national basis. So so we're, um, we're about 27 people um, across. We have people all over the country. We've, we've been pretty blessed with finding really good talented people and uh, we have people in Vegas and out in California and then we have uh, five or six people down in southern Florida people in Boston and then we have 17 people here in Pittsburgh so it's been a really good ride of uh, of since 2003 and our, our business model now is really based um, half on uh, profit clients and then half on nonprofit clients during the pandemic we really tried to find and help uh, clients that were struggling in that space. And um, we took some of that PPP money and we used it to really help nonprofit clients. And from there kind of really found a, a niche that we really enjoy working in. So we do a lot of work for really, um, really good organizations that are working with kids and doing other things that are using marketing to raise money and keep them doing their good work. So I really enjoy that piece of it right now. Yeah, it sounds like one of the things I've seen working with you is you you're able to to pivot very fast and be very creative, and that's something I want to come back to a little bit later. Um, what what's what's how's jujitsu been? Can you talk a little bit about your kind of path in jujitsu so far? Yeah, so I got into jujitsu when I was fifty one, which was everybody looked at me and said you're an idiot. And I was really interested. Um, I had taken karate in the 90s and really loved it. And then when I started my business in the early 2000s, you just cuts, you know, you, life takes over. So I got out of the martial arts. And then in, when I turned 51, 
um, I was having some issues, health issues, and I was recuperating from a surgery. And a friend of mine, I don't know if I ever told you this story, but a friend of mine who I was working with in one of our clients' uh, pen out in um, Philadelphia, the pen health system. And we were working on a, uh, uh, a, do- a little documentary on a, on a guy who had had a heart transplant and who was the first um, triathlete who had a heart transplant. And he and I became good friends and I had just had this surgery and I was kind of depressed. And he was like saying, what are you gonna do? And I was like, I don't know, I gotta do something. And he said, well, what do you wanna do? And I said, well, you know, I always wanted to do ground fighting because in karate, we never really studied the the ground fighting component of martial arts. And so he said to me, we were on the phone, he said, all right, pick up, go look up ground fighting jujitsu and see what, see what's around. And I looked up and stout popped up, which was obviously a, a tribute to your marketing at that point. It was the first <laughs> ad on the thing. And then uh, I looked and I was really interested in, you know, really an authentic I had studied Okinawan karate, so I was really into like authentic martial arts. I wasn't really trying to do anything but that. And I, so I researched you and I saw that you had, you know, you were uh, Henzo, one of Henzo's students and researched Henzo and did all stuff. And, and then uh, I was, so then two days later when I was on the phone with him, we were doing an interview. He said, did you call that jujitsu school? And I said, no, you know, maybe next week I'll call him. And he said, no, call him right now. And so that day I called as he was on the phone, he wouldn't hang up till I called and um andy answered the phone and um and that's and i went down for my first lesson and i never turned back so seven years later i'm still here with you and uh enjoying every day it's 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 a it is a life-changing um uh martial art so i really enjoy doing it and how often what's your training schedule look like now uh you've i know you've you've gone through some different phases of it because you've been you know you've dealt with some injuries some of which probably originated before jujitsu and some you know and then maybe uh some uh, some of them came after jujitsu but what what's your typical you know training schedule look like for for every i I know i think but everybody else now yeah it's uh it's i I try to do three days a week um i'd love to do four days a week but what i find is at 58 four days a week um i get injured easier and then the problem with being uh at this age and doing a martial art like jujitsu is recovery right it's it's just takes forever like you twist your ankle or someone wrenches your arm in an arm bar and all of a sudden you're what used to be a couple days and some ice is now two weeks so i try really hard to um, manage the my training and really be particular about who and what i'm doing in training um as you know, we've been working a lot on old man jujitsu stuff. So, um, and I and I've got to say, I really enjoy that piece of it because it's um, it's a, yet another puzzle inside jujitsu, right? Jujitsu has all these puzzles that you have to solve. Here's another puzzle where you have to still be able to control a person and hopefully submit a person, and at the same time, you're really being careful about what what you're choosing to do and who you're choosing to do it with. So it's really become a, a real um, a real joy, not just in the actual art at this point, but really trying to refine that component of it, really um, how I do it and, and how I um, train so that I don't have to recover from an injury. <laughs> well, I'd like to give everybody else a sense of, of- of your training because I, I do think it's it, it, you know when you w- without knowing you without seeing you on the mat um, 
you know, people might get the impression there's there's all different and jujitsu can accommodate all different, um, I guess, intensity levels, different goals, you know, and, and that's what we, we you know, we, we try to embrace that at Stout. That's one of my core tenants that, you know, we can we can serve a, a lot of different goals, uh, you know, if, if there's a genuine desire for authenticity and, and, you know, a desire to learn and things like that. But in your case, I, I think that you you train what I would consider pretty hard uh you know even with me um we just got done we did um you know basically it, today wasn't wasn't 100 percent intensity but we did uh about 40 minutes of live training i would say uh and that's uh, you know i i mean even somebody who's 22 years old that's gonna i you know that's gonna be fatiguing and it's it's a hard training session so um i I just wanted to put that out there so people didn't didn't get got the right impression of your kind of intensity level you know you're not just going and and there's nothing wrong with people that do that um but i think it does change a little bit how you think about that problem solving part of it if you're not just going in and maybe uh cooperatively drilling every day for two days a week and maybe doing some real limited rounds for 10 minutes at the end it's it's not that's not your style of training i mean we we drilled some you know we did what an hour and 20 minutes or something like that and uh we did a little bit of drilling and playing with some techniques and then we did some situational live for 40 minutes so that's kind of the standard for you and then uh, i wanted to just talk about your training group because i know that's a big part of what keeps you going and you kind of created uh at our location our north location close that's closest to where you live you created a training group that i think is it's unique but it's it's i think it's it's an interesting thing for any student to kind of kind of get this idea of creating their own group um and and that's not a negative thing you know sometimes there's these cliques develop within jujitsu schools or academies and and it can be you know it can take on a negative uh uh, vibe sometimes but i don't think that's the case i think you need to develop your group of training partners and you've done that i want to talk about can you talk about that a little bit the the group you have (laughs) so um i'll give this credit to dave calabrio because he used to um when i'd walk in uh, to the um, to the to the academy to the school, uh, he would just shout out, "Hey, Krusty," and he would always call me Captain Krusty. And so <laughs> I was like, "Well, dude, you're like three years younger than me." Well, he's actually probably younger than that, but uh, but he's he's like an old guy too. So I would start asking him, like, well, "Let's go train, just you and I, like, so we could train, you know, the way we move. Like, your knee hurts, so you have to figure out how to not." you know, elevate people and, but with a butterfly hook, or you got to start to look at things from a different perspective. And he understood that because he was like in the same part of life as I was. And then we started this group. And then of course he moved to Las Vegas, that asshole. And, uh, (laughs) and, uh, and so, uh, there was a couple other guys that we were training with at the same time who were in their, they were in their forties and late thirties. And so I asked them if they would want to get together and just really train. And I was surprised that they were, looking for that kind of training you know not not the you know everybody goes gets against each other and just goes 100 percent ball so all uh, you know as as hard as you can go but really working something that you train hard and 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 we call it crusty team crusty but team crusty on sundays trains hard we we go at each other hard it's not you know it's it's not the comp team but it is 
for us, it's as hard as we can go. And so that group started as uh, me and Dave, and then it turned into uh, Andy and a couple other people. And now it's 20. There's 20 people part of that group. And on Sundays at nine o'clock, we get together and we work 40 minutes of live training, just going at each other, seeing what seeing what we've learned over the week. And then we take the last 20 minutes and we go over things that, you know, maybe we've seen as we've been training that day. And whoever in that group has a better solution or an answer, we we explore it. So we t- we tend to look at each other's techniques and see who's learning stuff from different things. You know, and a lot of times they're always asking me, would Warren show you this week? So, <laughs> so they're looking for that kind of stuff. But um, and then and then and then we jump into sauna and it's, you know, it's, it's a great group of people. And it's really helped me because, um, you know, I, I, I we don't we go hard, but we really try not to hurt, you know, really try not to injure. And so uh, so we may tap a little earlier than you would maybe if you were 22 or 23. But that's okay because we're trying to do a technique and then we're going to reset and do it again. And we, but it's a hard, it's a hard, and we go for an hour and it's, you know, five, six, five minute rounds. And for us, that's a big deal. So it's a good, it's a good group. And I, and I think that's really what's um, helped me elevate my game is really these, these guys that have gotten together and figured out the same philosophy of training as, as I was looking for. I I think, you know, from talking to you and, and other people too, I, I was on another podcast, uh, uh, shout out to curious Jones, uh, local, another local guy that does a, a really nice podcast. But, uh, I, I mentioned, I, I was asking him, he was interviewing me, but I was asking him on his podcast cause he's, he's about my age and he, um, I, I asked him what, what kept you going in jujitsu or what kept, what got you to come back to jujitsu after, you know, he did it, he fought MMA a little bit when he was young and then he came back after many years and what keeps you going. And, and he had a sort of a, an answer, a similar answer. He got a group of people around him that he, you know, and not that they're, you know, always best friends outside of the map, but they're, they're a really uh, tight group of people that he, that expect him to be there and, train with him it's a it's kind of you know i don't want to say this in like too much of a cliche but it's a journey together for them it seems like and that's what it seems like to you uh with that group that you have and i think that's something that i think other people can take away when you're starting in jujitsu um try to try to build a group of people like that where you train whatever group and i've seen that uh, you know we have a, a relatively large student base in my schools here in pittsburgh and uh I've seen a couple of those different groups form in, in different locations and different times and things like that, different goals, age groups, whatever, you know, like, uh, so I, I think that's very important if you're, if your goal is to get the most out of jujitsu and, and keep doing it long term. Um, I, uh, I, you were saying about how you started in jiu-jitsu. I, I wanted to relate how I met some of the things I remember when I first met you, uh, you, I, I, you were a, a newer student, and uh, one day I think you just stopped stopped by, and he said, "Who does your marketing?" And and I didn't know anything about you, and and I said, "I do," because I did at the time, you know. I mean, I I I was just me, like I was doing whatever market, whatever whatever limited marketing we were doing and advertising and stuff. It was, you know, I was even running my own, you know, Google ads, and I ran it was Infusionsoft and Keep and all that kind of stuff, you know, my CRM and things like that, and and that, I was doing it all myself at that time, uh, that part of the business, and you you dropped the card off at at my dad. And you said, hey, if you if you ever need any help with that, give me a call, and you like you dropped the card off. 
and uh and and i started looking it up and i was like oh okay these <laughs> this is a legitimate this is the real thing here so i needed so then then we kind of i think after that you talked to me about because i knew you had done some like karate and martial arts like striking martial arts like that and i, I had a vague idea that you did that and you asked me about um strikes on the ground i, I still remember that and and I, I really liked the conversation because, you know, people ask me questions a lot, but it was really, we had a, we had a, it was a really thoughtful conversation. You asked me about my opinion of how you defend strikes on the ground, what the effect that has on jujitsu in general. And we talked about that and I thought it was really interesting. And I said, Hey, do you want to get on the mats and work on this stuff sometime <laughs> actually? Cause that's the way to do it. You know, really experience it, you know, see, see how some of the, how it works, feel how the feel of is strikes on the ground. And, and, uh, so we did that and that's, that was kind of, um, how I started, how we started working like one-on-ones. Um, and then when you, you had that, sh- uh, the shoulder injury that I, I believe I correct me if this is wrong, but I, I feel like you did have an injury there previously and then it maybe got exacerbated through jujitsu. Um, but you had, and then you eventually had to have, have shoulder surgery and we worked as you were, you know, you had a quick, pretty quick recovery. We worked on. Uh, kind of on a one-on-one basis to be more careful with that and then kind of ramped up the intensity as your shoulder got better. Um, so that's that's kind of how, how we met. Um, I, I wanted to... Uh, one of the things that you've helped me with uh, in is, you know, generally marketing in general. And I, I just wanted to ask you for myself right now and also just for everybody listening, like, what does that mean to you? What's, what's it mean when somebody says marketing? Because... I think there's a lot of um, different ideas about. I've heard. I, I mean, I, I had college courses in it and stuff. But but what is, as a, as a really successful professional, that's uh, at least a lot of people would say. I mean, maybe you would say, you, you, marketing is your profession. What is that? What is that word? What does that term mean to you? Yeah. So um, I always give this 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 speech to uh, college kids, um, and. It's, it's a speech about, you know, people think that marketing is some sort of, um, uh, they equate it to advertising, like what, like ads or like things that are, um, and then they right away jump to like political ads or car ads or things like that. We're a brand agency. So our brand of marketing is branding. And, and what that means is um, there, there's really two kinds of marketing. There's, in, in my opinion, there is retail marketing and there's branding marketing. So retail marketing is sale marketing. So they're going to mark things down. You're going to you're going to move traffic. You're trying to get a certain amount of people to move at a certain point to buy a certain thing at a certain time. Um, we work more as a brand agency. So we're working with clients to define their story. Who are they and why is why do they have any sort of meaning in the market that they're in? So how do they live and thrive in a market is what we look at as marketing. So um, so when we go to meet a client, the first thing uh, we talk to them about is who do they see themselves as? And you and I have had many of these conversations. And uh, and then how can they achieve the goals that they want to achieve with tell, by telling their story in a very clear and consistent way? So you want to be clear and consistent about who you are and what your story is. And that's how we've been successful. We really help people define who and who they are and what their story is and it's really fun to do because you you work with people who have built these companies or are you know ceos of these big companies and they end up 
um, not really even understanding who they are themselves. Because a lot of times CEOs and, and market, head marketing people come from the operations side. So they look at things uh, really um, from a perspective of like uh, ROI and, and things like that. And we are we come in and we start to show them the power of telling a story. And um, so that's our that's how we've we've been successful. And that's been our niche. Um, if you want to sell a, a car on Saturday, you probably don't hire us. But if you're trying to um, uh, like we work for the Four Seasons, uh, we just launched uh, last year, the largest Four Seasons private residences in San Francisco. And um, basically we are selling uh, the, the Four Seasons dream of living in a Four Seasons in San Francisco before there's ever a building built. So we have to go in and tell a story and paint a picture of what that is to people who are going to then buy something that doesn't exist yet. And so that to me, that's a really amazing thing. If you have the power to be able to, to move people and to let people dream, that's that's the power of marketing. Perception, creating and and um, and really um, shaping perception is the power of what marketing is. And not not in a bad, you know, not in an, I'm trying to like trick people or anything like that. It's, it has to be authentic. It has to be true. It has to be who they are or it doesn't work. People are too smart to see through that. So so that's our, that's our philosophy at Ronin. And that's how we've been successful now for next year will be our 20th year and um and we've been we've we at one point were 60 people with off three offices and now we're 30 people and um you know we've gone through all kinds of different swings and um and different parts of the country and we work all over the world we've been we've done work in beijing and shanghai and in london and in italy and you know all over the world so it's it's been a great ride and a really good time to figure to sit with people all over the world and, and figure out who they are and what they, what they mean to the market as they, as the market that they live in and and need to thrive in in order to be successful. Well, bringing this back to jujitsu, I know you've worked with all different client types of clients. Like you just mentioned, you mentioned some of the really big ones. Um, we were just talking offline about one of your, um, you know, I guess we'd call it a smaller client, but it's uh, like a children's choir in New York. You've worked with, at least two jiu-jitsu schools that I know of, me and uh, uh, Silver Fox, which is a really pretty well-known one. Uh, so what? how does what you just said about telling a story, how does that relate to and how does that help, in your opinion, how does that help a jiu-jitsu school or a mixed martial arts school or any kind of small, you know, you could apply this to any, probably would be equally applicable maybe to some other things like yoga or you know anything like that that you've worked with. Yeah, I think I think jujitsu um, schools, um, they're they're they they've templated themselves. You know, it's not not too different from um, I think what happened to the karate schools in the '90s. They've kind of figured out a template and they all went out and tried to apply it. And they're not really trying to figure out who they are, particularly. The thing I loved about Stout and you guys when I first met you, which is one of the reasons I went to your your school and, and I looked at all the other schools in Pittsburgh. And that's why I asked you about who does your marketing, because it was good. I mean, it was really good. And you were clear about who you were. You were authentic, right? You had this you had already staked a claim in the ground about being an authentic fighting arts school versus. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting because you weren't talking about, you know, um, belts or uh promotions or things like you know that that you could see in other other schools that and it was really um a, a, 
a way that you had started to define yourself. And that, and that's, I think what, when you see a, a great jujitsu school, um, Henzo does a really good job of that. He's, he's created a personality. He's created a, a story around who he is and why his brand of jujitsu is who he is. And if you want that kind of jujitsu, you should go to that school. If you don't want that kind of jujitsu, you shouldn't go to that school. And I'm sure you find students who come to your school and they're expecting one thing and they find out, oh my God, this is not what I expected because they didn't really spend the time to, to figure out who you were, right? They just think they probably saw a movie, a jiu-jitsu movie or something, and they decided to take a class. Well, I think that's right. I think most of the time we do have that for sure. There, you know, like I like to say, like I kind of opposite what I said before, we, I, we like to offer, I think we can serve a lot of different people, but we're not for everybody. That's for sure. And, and I, I, um, I used to like hate losing anybody, but I, that's kind of like diminished over time. I mean, there are other schools, even in Pittsburgh, uh, that there's certain people that are better fit for them for whatever reason, you know? And I think what you just said is true. Sometimes it's them. They're just not doing their homework. Right. Um, but I think uh, less so lately, because I think we have, and, and you, 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 you and your team have helped us a lot with this. But, commu- you know, I always had a pretty clear idea of who I was, for in, at least in jujitsu. I mean, I'm not like, you know, it, at least what I wanted to be or who I wa- who our school wanted to be in ju- in the mixed martial arts, jujitsu, Thai boxing, that that world. I know what our values are. I think I've always known, but then. I don't know that we always did a a perfect job of communicating that to the public. And I think that's what you guys have helped us with. I think that's that happens less. I think nowadays if somebody comes and they're like, "Eh, I don't like this, it's, it's more because they didn't, you know, for lack of a better, like where they didn't do their homework as far as like, they just were, ah, this is a big school. Everybody goes there. I'm going to go, go check it out. You know, it's good. You know, they're good. They have a lot of good competitors, whatever it is, whatever, whatever like thing piqued their interest and attracted it to them. Then they just go and, and they realize that maybe that wasn't what they were looking for, you know? So, um, you know, that still happens once in a while, but I think less so now, you know, like these days, um, I, I think, uh, what, what, what do you think the role of, uh, this is something that really interests me. I've asked a lot of my podcast guests because uh, it, it's genu- it's in a genuine interest of mine. Um, what role? Uh, I, let's take first in uh, in you know marketing or telling these stories. What role does creativity play for you in that? Oh yeah, it's it's the it, it's it's everything. So I'm I'm I come from a film background, so we're we're a very visual agency. So. Uh, we are photographers and filmmakers and so the creative visualization to me i mean that that old adage pictures worth a thousand words is 100 percent what i've lived my life by it's like i we need to show and when you look at a photograph of, of a stout event which we just did the other day and you see the photography that we've done you have to feel like you were there and and you could smell it and you could feel it hear the crowd just by one photo and that's that to me is what we've worked really hard to train our people uh here and we've got a team of people that are really good at seeing and being able to create um the visuals that tell that story without a bunch of words you know and then when you overlay the words it's just a home run and that's what we do for all our clients. So it's creativity is hundred percent the idea of, of what we do every day. 
that's really why I like jujitsu too, because you get on the mats and when you first start, I mean, it's your, it's interesting, like, because you first start, you really wonder why you keep going back, but there's something that draws you back to it all the time because you just keep leaving thinking, God, I stink at this. And then over time, you start to be able to play more and more with what you're learning and it becomes more and more creative and you start to really, it, it is a very creative art. Where in karate, when I learned karate, it was very structured. Like you did things because you know it was it was almost like how you learned the ABCs and and math. Versus jujitsu is like painting. It's like an art, like a true art. Can, can you can you give? I, I think maybe the best the way to talk about that would be, uh, or, or maybe reframe it a little bit to give an example of what you mean, so that I can unpack what that means to you about creativity. Because I because this is really this is a topic that's extremely interesting to me. Um, in the jujitsu context. And I, I do think you are really creative with your own jujitsu. Um, but I, and I've, I've heard you say, I mean, maybe this is related, but I heard one time we were talking and you said one of your clients wanted you to, you know, quote, think outside the box, right? He, he asked you that and you're like, Oh, I can do that. Like, I'll really give you a, give you a real, <laughs> something really crazy. And you, you did in that case came up with a really amazing solution for that client. But, um, and, and we just were having a conversation about that. But could you could you give an example of that in jujitsu of, of creativity and action so we can maybe see what what it means or see your thought process in how you are creative? Because that's I do think that creativity, you know, some people think it's a muse or something that just comes to you. Uh, but I think certain people exhibit it all the time. And there is there must be some kind of a process to it. That's that's my thought. Well, my you know, my again, I'm a artist so my process always works from an art perspective so like my the way i look at it is um for example i trained with you guys for probably three or four years and then i moved to boston for i had to go up to boston and work we were opening an office there and i had to be there for like six months so i went up there and i started training at all these different crazy brazilian schools in boston and each time i went to a school i kind of took a a little piece of something and they were much for example they were much more based in judo than their their takedowns and their throws then which is actually how i hurt my shoulder and then uh then you know then what i was learning from you guys which was much more based in a wrestling a wrestling perspective so taking that that the wrestling piece of it all of a sudden i had an a vi like a, i understood it like that was a thing that was part of your style of jiu-jitsu and when i was working with my friend nate up in boston at uh, collective um he collective jiu-jitsu in Beverly, he he had this more uh more of a judo kind of thing and so i was able to start to take pieces of what what his perspective was and what your perspective was and start to build this game and then i moved back here because of the pandemic we ended up closing that office and and you and I started working on cr the cradle, right? Like all of a sudden we started working on wrestling techniques that were able to allow me to get to positions because at that time I had started to, my my wind was starting to go because as you get older, everybody that's listening to this that's in their late 50s will understand this, but you're you're going to lose your cardio. I mean, it doesn't matter. I, I mean, you can see the, the crazy freaky guys that are 60 and have the super body, but I guarantee you they're not that every day. Uh, but... So, so I'd start to think about how, what are positions I could start to use to, to 
have a moment to rest, but still control person. And so the cradle was the first creative piece that I was able to use. And all of a sudden I had these, you and I worked on all these different positions. Like here's how you use it defensively. Here's how you use it near side. Here's how you use it far side. Here's a submissions that you can take out of those. And from those submissions came uh, leg locks. And I started to see pathways to other uh, parts of jujitsu that then made me start to think, well, and, and you know, I were talking about this morning uh, as we were training, I, I, I really tried to avoid people's center mass. Like I really want to work their head or their legs. I don't want to get caught in the middle because once I'm in the middle, I'll, I, I'll run out of steam just because it's, you know, it's, that's where you're putting all your effort if you're in bottom side control or whatever. So I really work hard to stay out of that thing. So right now my game is really trying to flat to, to be in those two positions, whether that's, I can be successful all the time or not. To me, that's a super creative puzzle that I'm trying to solve. And so I get tapped a lot because I'm going the wrong way or I get, you know, I fall into the middle and I'm, you know, I get people take my back and stuff. But each time I do it, I learn something and I take a little something and I put that into what I, in my mind, think of as like a palette, a painter's palette, so that I can draw from those different colors of jujitsu to create whatever I'm doing at the time. And and I know that sounds might sound weird to people, but visually that gives me a place to put that idea. So I, I put that in my palette and I start to think about my jujitsu is this palette. And it's it's very it's it's not, you know, it's not a thousand techniques. It may be ten techniques, but I'm really trying to work those ten techniques to make them so that I can also manage my situation where I'm at in my age and my and the my body type and all the other things I got going on. So that's the creative piece that I'm in my mind trying to make work in jujitsu at this level that I'm at. So that's uh, very interesting. I, I think I took a lot of, um, a lot, from what you just said, I, I, I took a lot of things from it. And one of them, one of them, two, two things that stood out to me, it, it, correct me if I interpreted this wrong, but I, I thought, you know, you, I thought it was interesting that you take pieces you have an idea of what you want to accomplish or what you want to create, I guess you want to create a game that's applicable to a certain, to where you're at. And you take pieces from of these different people you're learning from and try to craft it into, uh, so, uh, uh, an art that works for that game, right. Yeah. For, for your goal. So that, that was, that's really a, an interesting way to, uh, that's insightful way to look at it. Um, Another thing I, I took from it is just that, you know, and, and this is, I see some students in jujitsu and I, I guess I'm, I'm, it's times I've been guilty of it is you just, you, you, you want to get fed stuff. Like you want to, you want to just look at, oh, this guy's doing this or, or, you know, and it's amazing. And, and, and instead of that, it seems like you really took ownership of, of your, of your own. You're not just saying, oh, I mean, when, when, when we work together, you're, you're obviously like, you ask me questions like this position I know more about than you. You'll say, Hey, what do you do here and stuff? That's, it's not that, but it's, it's more like you're taking like an ownership of your own, of your own, uh, uh, journey, right? Like you're taking ownership of, of, I want to do this. I'm going to take this piece, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this, if you have more knowledge or, or, you know, or see what your thoughts are in this position, bounce this off you or test it against you or whatever, whatever the case may be. But, um, but you took ownership of it. And I think that's, that's something that, that 
you know, everybody in jujitsu at least could, could learn from. And, and, you know, even myself, like to do, do that. I think that's a, a great part of, uh, you know, jujitsu learning. Um, and, uh, you know, so another, another part of this is like mar- this, this discussion on marketing and creativity, I guess on the flip side of that, what, what are some common mistakes that you see as far as, uh, let's, let's go with, let's, let's not, let's go with the marketing side first. Uh, what are some common mistakes that you see with, let's say jujitsu schools for, to be real specific in the marketing domain or, or mistakes in like maybe you telling their, getting their story out. What's some of the key mistakes that you see that people make? Yeah, I, I think people, um, well, you know, a lot of jujitsu schools are run by, um, young, uh, really good jujitsu people who aren't, who aren't marketers. And so I think they, they read books and they, and they do, it's, it's very templated kind of cliched, things and i think they don't stick also they don't commit to what i was talking about like a, a story or pay put a stake in the ground and want to own that component uh or that place in the market they they react to what's happening in the market so they become inconsistent and so their their message becomes inconsistent so you really don't understand who they are and then they just become another jujitsu school in a in a in, in a market full of jujitsu schools so they don't stand out um I believe, you know, personally that Stout is in Pittsburgh, you know, when you look it up, I mean, just Google, <laughs> you'll see it. And, it. and then when you go to the website, you'll feel what it is like that. That doesn't exist in any other jiu-jitsu school in Pittsburgh. And even in Boston, when I was there, they, a lot of them struggled uh, with this concept of, of figuring out who they were because, you know, they got, they got 50 students, 60 students, they're, and they're busy. You know, and they feel like that's successful and they're making a living and that's that's it. So they don't really want to expand. Um, one of the things I loved about when I first, you and I start first time about marketing is you said, I want to own the market of Pittsburgh. I want to own Pittsburgh. And so we set out on, you know, this is like year five of that journey and you're opening your fourth school, you know, so that, and I believe you own Pittsburgh. You know, I think the market is yours. So, uh, and that's because you claimed it. You, you did that. And I don't, I think that's what the mistake is. Um, jiu-jitsu schools need to figure out, people who run jiu-jitsu schools should figure out what it is they're trying to do, whether it's they want to stay small, which is fine, you know, be more of a niche thing, or if they're looking for to train MMA fighters or, or competitors, or whether they're training, you know, kids or whatever their thing is, they should claim that space and be consistent about telling that story over and over again. So people, so they become known as that, like you guys are known as the authentic fighting arts school. That is who, who you are. So, um, right away, I would question any other school, like, well, how are you authentic (laughs) versus stout, you know? And that's, and that's a tricky question for somebody to answer. So they, they may not want to claim that space. They may say that they want to be the, uh, cheapest or they, they may want to be the uh, most competitors or the most MMA fighters or whatever that is they should they should take and they should own it that's the piece that, that I think people make mistakes is they do that for a while and then they, they they see something else in the market so they react and then all of a sudden they're inconsistent and people can't understand who they are and, and I mean this would be speculation but I, I don't why they don't do that's probably a multi-part answer and it's probably different for everybody but i think you know going back to the the core 
uh, I think that some of them don't have a clear idea of who they are. That's why they they sway to every different you know trend or fad that comes out. You know, and that's not just jujitsu schools. That's I think yeah, a lot, I think other businesses have all that. businesses do that. Yeah, and and I think that that's because they don't they haven't they haven't had a conviction of of them who they are right that's that's one part of it you know i think it is is probably a little bit of a problem um and, and that's something i i definitely did did early on and it wasn't because i wanted to do it for a business reason it was more of a um uh it it was more of a, a personal values choice for me and about who i was as a person and that translated to how i wanted to have the business and then in addition to that, I wanted to have a successful business. That was part of it. And I wanted to have great competitors. So so that together uh, was what I created. And I used the word authenticity was one of our words that we use. But that was why. Because uh, I, I felt that that's what I, I had a pretty clear idea of what, of, you know, those kind of core, even if they're a little bit nebulous values at the beginning uh, to start with. And, and that's, that's where like I build off of, and, and hopefully I'm now, like you said, communicating it better. Um, as far as, uh, the other thing though, is I, I think that, uh, I don't think that any other, the local schools, at least, I mean, there's definitely better, great competitor schools. Some of my teachers and mentors and stuff have great, you know, the best competitors in the world, but I don't think anybody else is going to be able to complain, uh, 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 get the competitive get that niche of the the most competitors and stuff i think i think we got that locked down <laughs> yeah, you too. guys do we do <laughs> right. styled is the is the school but uh but and, and that's really part of it like that it's not it's not an addition it's not a, a side it's like that's part of who i always wanted to be i wanted to have uh to me authenticity is having a school that has um has competitors but also is a good business that provides uh availability for people to learn jujitsu that have other goals right and i think those can coexist and i think that's a balancing act it's been hard it's it's not been hard but it's it's something that's been a challenge i guess as you could say it would be a better way to say it to to keep that balance in the right right order the right priorities you know like because because you because i always wondered could you do both you know because you see a lot of that you see and, and it's not even like talking about like their messaging or marketing it's just so you see some that are very you know they have a few good competitors and but they're not a good business and then you see some that are you know they're a pretty good business at least short term but they're but they lack that that you know maybe they don't even i I mean i've heard of schools that don't even do you know live training which is a really a a tenant i think of jujitsu in my opinion like you know i don't think you can do jujitsu without doing live training in my opinion like in some form you know like with training against resistance right um so you know like i I always i was like can you do both you know can can you be can you balance both not can you be the ultimate of both but like can you balance those two things and can they feed off of each other in certain ways and create synergies and that that's what we that's what i've always tried to do with with uh with my schools here in pittsburgh um i i uh, i always wanted to I had to ask you i think i might have asked you a little bit one time before but uh why did you name your company ronin so Ronan for I mean most people listening to this will probably know Ronan uh, most people at least I associate it with the the masterless samurai that's the term that it comes from so yeah that's uh so we I was a uh, my partner and I worked for this big national um, ad agency and uh, 
we got to a point in our careers where we were just like wondering why we were working for these people when all the clients we were working for were our clients. So it was kind of like we were making all this money for these other people that owned this company, but the clients didn't really like any of the people that ran the company. They only liked us. <laughs> so we decided at a certain point that we should just go out on our own. And it became a little contentious with that company. And so um, we, we were trying to name our company. And at the time I was like, we should call ourselves Ronin because Ronin are also um, master of samurais, but the idea of Ronin is that they're also completely well-rounded, right? They are poets. They weren't just samurai, but they were poets and scientists and writers. And and so we we thought that's who we are as people. So we're going to be this these masters. We're not going to have masters anymore. We're going to go off and do this ourselves. And so we would, we would start asking in the very beginning of our thing, when we started uh, with our first couple clients that we went on these new business, they were shocked at the end of every new business meeting. We would ask them, are you Ronan? Not, not, can we work for you? We would ask them, are you like us? Do you want to work like this? Do you want to work with people who are um, looking at the world from a different perspective? And we were shocked. We went from uh, 10 people in Miami to 60 people in two years. And uh, and it was like a crazy ride at that point when I was still living in Pittsburgh and flying back and forth to Miami. Um, but every client we had, answered that question like yes i'm i'm a ronin also so it's like it became uh, more than just the name of a company it became something that people identified with because it's it's a it's a cool idea right i mean it's yeah. an idea that people want to be an independent thinker and someone that is uh, able to see the world from a lot of different perspectives yeah interesting so like i i think and a lot of your clients were obviously very successful because you're you know like to, to be able to hire an agency like yours and things like that, yeah. successful people. And that's interesting to me because maybe that perspective, that the, at least the way you see a Ronin you know, that uh, how you define that just now, um, maybe that's one of the prerequisites to being successful, maybe in, in like a business context, right? Yeah, I think I think it depends. I mean, there I've run across a lot of different people, and over time, you you know, in the beginning when you start entrepreneurship, yeah, that's yes, what I was gonna yeah, say. Right. No, I'm, I didn't mean yeah. you know you can be successful in business in many different ways right. as an entrepreneur. I was just I, gonna I say that better, there, yeah. there's like two kinds of business. There's there's the people that are like just in it to do their job and go home, and they're just doing what people told. And then there's this group of entrepreneurs. Those are who I'm looking for. I'm looking for those clients. I want yeah. people that are looking to ch to change the world, like to create products. Create, yeah. We're working on a product right now that we just got hired to do in Boston, and they are um, they're creating a, a a battery cell that runs off of ambient light. So mice, uh, keyboards, remote controls. They're gonna. You'll never have to charge those again. They just sit in and they charge, and it could be they don't have to be in the sunlight. They can just charge up this ambient photo cell that they've created, you know. And that and that's this. And they just got funded by Amazon, and it's an amazing, amazing future company that's gonna literally revolutionize all these little gizmos you have laying around your house that you're putting batteries in all the time. And you think about that from from a sustainable planet world. Batteries are one of the worst things that you can have in in you know trash heaps and here's a company that's going to literally eliminate batteries so wow. yeah so i mean that's a, an example of a client who who we found them they found us we clicked and now we're we're hopefully going down this road together for the next you know four or five years to 
to change the world. And that's that's what I'm after. So those kind of clients. Well, I, I think that, that that's really amazing. That's really cool. I, I'll maybe talk a little bit more about that uh, off off uh, off the air. But um, I, I think that there's, you know, an, an aspect of just, you know, when I think most people want to do the right thing for the environment. But I and, and you know, that that kind of thing. But I see a lot of it is reactionary and defensive and conser- almost conservative. Whereas, you know, what a cool solution that that company came up with. That's that's a, a an offensive solution, yeah. you know. And, and and I think there, I would, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not like a hardcore environmentalist, but I, I would consider myself that, you know. And and I think that it's really cool to see that as, as somebody using creativity to go on offense versus just saying like, well, we should, you know, not use, not turn our lights on as much or something, which, you know, that's all probably part of it too. But like, you know, defense, offense, I'm looking at it from a jujitsu perspective again, yeah. you know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta attack a problem from that defense offense, you know? And, and I, but I like, I, I just, sometimes I feel the offensive parts lacking in the, in the public dialogue, you know, because it's harder. Right, it's hard to be creative. It's hard to come up with those solutions, and and that's that's really cool. That um, and then and then the problem with you know those clients is they've come up with this amazing thing, but they don't know how to communicate it. They don't know how to now they have to communicate it because they want these companies to adopt it, right? So that's where we come in and try to help them figure out how do you tell a story about like I just told you a story about the end of batteries. Yeah, I mean that's a story that people are going to notice, and then how do you then communicate that? to Samsung and to these bigger companies that then adopted and then every remote control they create after that has this photonic cell in it that has got this ambient thing. And and we have you know a couple other clients that we're really working with in that sustainable world, which I enjoy a lot working in that space because, you know, that is like you, I, I really think everybody needs to take a step forward, even if it's a small step, because we're, you know, we're otherwise what we're in our kids are not our kids and our kids' kids are going to be in a really bad world that we're, we're going to leave them. And marketing is what I do. So that's what I can do to help that. I can't engineer those batteries, but I can help them be successful so that they can create more of those. So I'm, I'm interested in that kind of client also a lot these days. So, yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, so I, one, one of the last questions kind of relates to that. So we, I was talking, we're talking about offense versus defense, you know, and my mind always goes back to that because I've done, you know, jiu-jitsu and wrestling and sports like that and martial arts for all my life. But um, uh, there's, there's a problem with, with those, not a problem, but a, a part of that sport that I guess is a zero-sum game, right? Like you look at, at least on the mats, um, one person wins, one person, other person loses. Uh, in the end, the goal is to make the other person lose, or you to win, or however you want to see it. But, but you know, so that that would be kind of the definition of a zero sum game. And uh, I was just listening to uh, a really new podcast, a great podcast. Uh, Lex Friedman is a, a podcaster I really like, and he had one of my uh, uh, somebody I really look up to as as a te- as a teacher and somebody I've gotten to to know a little bit over the years. Uh, John Danaher on the podcast, Lex quoted on that podcast. Lex quoted Miyamoto Musashi, and he said, "The reason for a warrior to live is to fight, and the reason to fight is to win." And I was like, "Well, that's that's pretty harsh, you know. It's true on some level, but it's pretty harsh." And it kind of it it somehow in my mind that related to the zero sum aspect of of jujitsu right um 
And, and I wanted to ask you it, about marketing. Do you see? Do you see marketing in in any way as a zero as, as a zero sum game? And 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 don't take that as a if if the you know maybe the answer is yes, maybe it's more complex. That does it doesn't have to be. Um, uh, you know, negative. I, I think it just like I don't think it's negative in jujitsu necessarily. I think it, it can sharpen you. It can, and, and I don't think the activity of of practicing jujitsu is a zero sum game. I think the the goal of the sport or the or the actual act, you know practice of it on the mat can be sometimes zero sum. But I don't think participating in the activity is zero sum. Do you see you your role as a as a marketer? Is there, a, is there a zero sum aspect to that in, in that you could describe in any way? Well, it's a it's a, that's a that's an objective, right? That's a goal when we first sit down with a client. If their goal is to eliminate their competition, that's a zero sum. That's a that's a way to set into a market and to look at a way to um, just completely um, overrun them. You see that? I mean, you see it all the time. And, political marketing right they just yeah. go out to destroy each other and 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 see how that's in and, and a lot of times um companies will want that they'll think they want that right but to me that's the, it's it's it is a much more nuanced idea than that i mean you have to you can win and at and you can be successful and you can win and not be successful in other words, you can be win and people don't really like you. <laughs> you could be the best uh, top selling um, product that really people just use because, you know, they've always used it. Think about a toothbrush or something <laughs> crazy like that. Or I worked on this uh, one client for uh, Bosch was uh, out of Germany and we were doing a brand of theirs. And it was um, uh, the nozzles that you use on your spray on your garden hose. And they owned the market, but people hated their product, even though they bought their product. So, you know, that, you know, that, uh, steel nozzle that you had when you were a kid yeah, that every, yeah. every house had one. Oh yeah. And if, and no, but you couldn't tell me the brand that was in there, right? No, no. no. You just I knew you had no a steel idea. nozzle, right? Yeah, so that's a, to me, that's the successfully, they own the market, but at the same time they've lost because no one knows their name. <laughs> it sounds like, it sounds like they did a, they, they, were successful in the biz in their business without being successful at marketing because they had a story. distribution channel that that owned they literally wiped out their competition and owned the distribution channel and so they had no need for people to know their name but 20 years later when they wanted to expand no one knew their name right. so everybody just knew they were this bad feeling nozzle that people sprayed their garden with for 20 years because that's what was in the market so that's an example on the, on the flip side of that you you can have uh people who might not be seen as as super successful but are are literally changing the world like this choir that we're talking about like they're they're hidden they're in new york it's the young people's choir of new york city and they are amazing choir and you know they're they struggle with um with funding and and getting people to give them money and so we're working really hard with them to help them figure that out but their kids the work they're doing with these kids each one of those kids is going out and literally changing the world from a perspective of of how they learn to work together. Well, I, I, it sounds like what, what you're saying in, in this, this way is like there, there's, you know, you can be, it's a definition of success, right? Yeah, like, that's like, it comes down to yeah. It. And, and I think that there's, um, in, in, in the example of the nozzle, I would say 
that they are successful in, in, in the pure capitalistic, you know, they won that. Could have they been more successful if they also told a great story? Probably, you know, yeah. They, and they probably could have been, I guess, I guess all, all like, you know, success in business is relative always. Yeah. There's always a relativity. It's about relative. what your objective is. What are you trying to achieve? Is it, in order to expand that business, people would need to know your name, right? Yeah. So if you wanted to enter another product and, and take credit for owning the market, you failed. But if you were just trying to make money, you were successful. They, so they, were, they were successful. Depends on their objective. Yeah. Or, or how large, maybe in a way, how large are you? Like, objective is like, when we, going back to what we said about my schools in Pittsburgh, like, I I don't want to get rid of all the other schools in Pittsburgh. Like, I that would actually be a detriment yeah. to me. You know right. what I mean? I, I And I really mean that. I mean, there's some that I, you know, definitely like more than others, but, but and, and, and to be like straight up honest, there's some I wouldn't mind seeing them if they weren't there anymore. But there's others that like, actually in, in a strange way, although they are competitors to us, they actually bolster us as well. You know, and I really, I really feel that. Uh, so, you know, I, I would say, you know, even in our case, I think business in that way is a little less clear than, than, uh, a, a, a f- by de- like a fight to the death in the case of Miyamoto Musashi yeah. and Swordman or, or even a case of a jiu-jitsu match. Like there's a winner and a loser, right? Like now in a training session, that's not always as clear cut because, you know, maybe, maybe I win, but maybe you learned more. Maybe you got a better workout. Maybe you feel better at the end because, and that was really more. Well, I was going to say that like in, so for example, my objectives into jiu-jitsu is not just to win every match. I mean, it's, it's actually to, to, to get a, a physical workout, to, to be healthy, to be learned to learn you know to learn things and and so even and this took a while it's probably three years before i was like wait a second it's okay if i lose (laughs) if i get tapped out or i tap out because i should notice what's happening and i should learn from that instead of you know just being pounding my fist on the mat and walking out disgruntled because i got beat again and i think since then i've had a much better uh, experience with jujitsu because and i get tapped a lot by a lot of different people and i learn for, and i look at what they how they did it and i'm like how did that work and a lot of times i bring it to you and say hey so i'm struggling with this guy he's doing this stuff that's and we work on solutions so that to me is is you know a much more interesting but that's because my objective is not to be a world-class competitor who wins every match he's in well i i see it too is and i could take the the nozzle example too it's a it's a time frame you know what what's your real uh objective is it short term or is it a longer term right like do so a longer term in your case like so you get tapped out but your longer term objective is to be healthy and learn and improve skill in jiu-jitsu those two objectives that you you balance let's say that probably i do as well that's a big part of why i do jiu-jitsu uh like i i think the, those things the time frame is is what's important there. Yeah. like getting tapped out in the moment is is you know is not your you don't want to get tapped out right. but sometimes that could be you know sometimes you have to put yourself in a position where that you know that'll happen to to learn more to, to improve your skill and, and so you if you're if you're objective horizon is a more long term and and you could p- put that example probably to that to the nozzle thing too like you know yeah they dominated the market but if they want to even expand more 
it would be better if they had a better brand story. Or if right? they want to be bought by somebody down the yeah. road. I mean, that's a great story for that CEO. But once he retires, what's he leaving that company? With? Yeah. So, so, so that's like a, hori- a time horizon uh, perspective as far as like that zero sum. I, I just think it's a really interesting thing because there's that a little bit of a uh, dichotomy between that. Because I really do see jujitsu as a positive thing that benefits people. But you know, there, there is a zero sum aspect to it. You know, it's, it's a sport where it's very, and I like, I actually like that about it. That's one of the things that attracted me when I was very young to like wrestling. And when I was, what I started with, um, it wasn't ambiguous. It was like you win or you lose. And, and there's a clarity to that, you know, in, yeah. in the short term. I think know. I have a different perspective on that. Like my, I, I actually hate when people say it's a sport. I don't like it. I don't look at it or like to think about it as a sport. I really like the idea of it being an art. Yeah. Like I really like the idea of going there and enjoying the people and enjoying the workout and learning. And to me that that's why I'm there. And, you know, I'm 58 years old, so I'm a different breed of person and I'm, you know, I'm not a competitor. Uh, and you know, I actually hate when people call it hobbyists too. I'm not, it's not a hobby for me. It's, <laughs> it's a way I want to live my life, you know, and I, and I really enjoy, it's a big part of my life now. So, um, so I, I like the idea of it being an art, you know, and I, yeah. and I really, um, and again, cause I'm an artist, I like to apply those kind of thinking to it. But, um, that to me is, is, a, is what is beautiful about it. So you can have the person who wants to be the world champion. And you can have the person like me, and we're getting exactly what we want out of that at the, at the highest level. I mean, I'm achieving these days with you and what's happening at this level, the best that I've ever felt and, and the best experiences that I'm having at jiu-jitsu. Um, and, I, and I take that, you know, that's, that's, I take that into my work life. I take that into my other life. So it's a big part of who I am now. It's, a, it's become part of my identity. So that to me is a, is a big part of why I love this, love this sport and you guys and everything we've been through for seven years, <laughs> even all the, even all the, the injuries and everything else, which, you know, you live through and it, again, you learn from. So well, I think that's another thing. And, and, you know, I want to, I want to kind of end on this too. I think that that's, that was really interesting to me to hear you say that because I do have a little bit different. I come from a different perspective, right? I, I come from a, a sport, more of a sports background, you know, and, and I, I think that my, what I want to create with my school it encompasses both of those, right? Like those things. Um, because I think, I think both of those, I, I have a little bit of that, both of that as well. I'm more, I'm more skewed to the sports side, I think generally, but I do have some of the, uh, some of the same feel as you. I, I feel like there's a lifestyle and art aspect to to the practice of jujitsu. And, and, and I think that I don't, I want our school to, to, um, be able to, I guess to say it even better, I think that they complement each other. I think, I really think that those two things, although they seem a little bit, and that's, that's kind of what I was trying to get out with the zero sum thing and kind of comparing and contrasting. Like, I, I think that those two aspects that can co- not only coexist, but like can complement each other. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love to win. I love to tap yeah, oh, people. I know, I know, I, I know that. <laughs> There's nothing better than getting that, you know, to, to, to applying a technique and it works and you, you're successful at it and you walk out thinking, I love that feeling of it. But that's, that's again, just a piece of it to me. That's not why I'm doing it. So, I, yeah. So anyways, well, thank, thanks for yeah. uh, taking, I know, I know you have a lot of things to do and, and, uh, and, 
I, I really appreciate like the insight and the time that you took to, to talk with us today. So thanks, John. Yeah, thanks, Warren.